0: Thank you, Elder Mitchell, for your kind introduction and just for the reminder of where our strength lies. That is ever on our knees. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning and happy Sabbath. Now, I can't believe we're, I'm actually in the house of the Lord together with you. And uh, welcome to each of our churches here in the Michigan Conference, joining us by live stream. And also, welcome to our Strong Tower Radio uh, audience. And I know there are others watching far beyond Michigan, across this nation, and and even beyond that. Isn't it wonderful to be a part of God's worldwide end-time movement? I mean... I believe with all my heart that Jesus is coming again. Say amen if you believe that. Jesus is coming again. And we are on a a journey. It's a journey of faith that's moving forward to the finish. I mean, we are living at a time where our eyes are seeing things that we never thought possible except for our knowledge of the prophetic word of God. And God has raised us up for this moment. He has raised us up and He's given us a message to give to the world. It's a message that the world needs to hear now. I mean, I I just love the, the platform up here of a people who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. And we preach the three angels' messages with a loud voice to the whole world. And then the Bible says, then Jesus will come. Do you want to live for that day, friend? Do you want to live? If so, we need to be pleading with God as never before to help us to be about our Father's business, to be about it with all of our hearts. Do you have your Bibles with you this morning? Let me see them. Hold them up. If you're in your homes, grab your Bible, hold it up high. These are, the, these are our precious swords. And hold them tight as we pray and ask the Lord's blessing on us one more time. Pray with me now. Oh Father in heaven, it is now that you're calling a people. It is now that you're calling us to your word as never before. It is now that you are calling us to rise up as a people. For the glory of the Lord has surely risen upon us. Oh, Father, please help us. Lord, I pray right here in this hour of worship that you would draw near to us and that we would know something of your presence. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me. Hide me behind the cross, Lord. Lord, I'm afraid to speak. Lord, I want glory only to go to your name. Lord, please send your spirit. Speak to us, Lord. And I prayed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our theme this week is Forward to the Finish, Forward to the Finishing of Our Faith forward to the finishing of the work, and forward to the finishing of this pilgrimage, finally to the promised land. I mean, we should be the happiest, most uh, just enthusiastic people on the face of the earth to know what the Lord has in store for us. How we want Jesus to do that for us. It's a journey by God's grace I want to be a part of to the very end. And I pray that is your heart's longing as well. This morning, our attention moves from the life of Abraham to the life of Moses. And like Abraham, who we reflected on last night, by faith, Moses also looked forward to the finish. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start here with verse 24. The Bible says, By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. As a people who are Moving forward to the finish, our identity should mean something to us. The Bible says that Moses, when he became of age, by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Who we choose to identify ourselves with is important, especially now. Especially now. In Acts chapter 7 this is Stephen recounting the early history of Moses, and he says in that recounting of that history that when Pharaoh's daughter took when Pharaoh's daughter took Moses into her home, that she wanted to raise him as her own son. You can imagine the struggle in the heart of Moses. In the courts of Egypt, he learned to love his his adopted mother. But there was a struggle in him, and he chose to hold his affections. He chose to reserve his affections, and rightly so. Notice what the Lord's servant says in Patriarchs and Prophets, page 245. She says, Moses guarded his affections. What did he do? He guarded his affections. Lest in his attachment to his foster mother or to Pharaoh, he would not be what? Free to do the will of God. Moses treasured his identity with the people of God. He wasn't ashamed of who he was meant to be. And so through faith he guarded his affections and refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter even when she wanted to raise him as her own son. May we, dear church, do no less Let us guard our affections from all the attachments that would keep us from being free to do the will of God. We cannot afford to lose sight of who we are in this hour. We can't afford to lose sight of who we are meant to be. This isn't a time for us to be timid or to try and hide the colors of our faith. The enemy is working harder than ever before. That we would be ashamed to be Seventh-day Adventists with all of the peculiar principles of our faith. And unless we guard our affections, make no mistake, we will be swept away with the masses and with all the other popular churches in the deception that is coming according to the working of Satan. By faith, we must refuse to ever be called a son or daughter of Egypt. Rather, let's be counted with Jesus, (laughs) knowing that He chose to be counted with us. Amen? If we confess Him before the world, Jesus says that He will confess us before His Father in heaven. But if we're ashamed, if we're embarrassed To confess Him before the world. Will He not also be ashamed to confess us before the face of His Father in heaven? Oh friends, we don't have to be ashamed of what sets us apart. And there are tenets of our faith (laughs) that make us stand out in the world. Or at least they should make us stand out in the world. Because we have a message to give. We want to lift the better high and arrest the attention of the people. One is that we believe that the Bible is true. All of it. From Genesis to Revelation, amen? We don't have to be timid about believing in the creation account. A creation account of six, literal, 24-hour consecutive. This is a word that's hard. I can't even believe it's in my vocabulary, but contiguous. I mean, we believe in the creation. We don't have to be ashamed when we speak of it in the public. We believe that God created the Sabbath. Haven't you enjoyed our Sabbath school lesson this past quarter? I mean, what a blessing as we've been looking at the authority and the truthfulness of the Word of God. I mean, it was Moses who, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the first five books of the Bible, and then some. And we believe it. Yes, there was a worldwide catastrophic flood. We believe in the miraculous plagues in Egypt through the mighty Red Sea all the way to the promised land. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Hallelujah and amen. And we need to preach the word, the word to the world. We need to preach The Word, especially the truth for these last days. The Word is living and powerful. Jesus said that we are sanctified through the Word. I mean, we are sanctified through the Word of truth because Jesus is the Word that became flesh. Jesus is the Word. He is the way, the truth, and the life. How we want to hide this living Word In our hearts, that we might not sin against him. Don't you want that in your hearts, friends? Don't we want Jesus to be living and powerful in our lives? Another characteristic that should set us apart, especially now, is what Jesus said in John 13 35. He says, By this. By all this, if there is a characteristic that should set us apart, it should be this. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The Bible recognizes no distinction on account of race, caste, or color. No distinction for wealth or worldly honor. This is the distinction that should set us apart, that all will know that we are his disciples. Jesus says it again in 1 John 4. He says, Beloved, let us do what? Love one another because love is of God. He says if we can't love our brothers and our sisters that we can see, how do we think that we can love God? who we can't see. When Moses refused to be called a son of Egypt, he refused it all. The human systems that place one above another, the jealousy and pride, the backbiting, the bitterness, the envy, the malice. He chose to not bow down to idols such as those. In Numbers 11, you read the account of Joshua and how he was uh, zealous or jealous for the sake of Moses. And he comes and he runs to Moses. And he says here, this is when God's spirit was falling upon someone in the camp. And he says here, Moses, my Lord, forbid them. Then Moses said to him, are you zealous for my sake? Oh, that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And then it's in the very next chapter, even after Miriam's racist attitude and jealousy toward him, when God would not allow such thinking to go unchecked. It was Moses, the most humble man on the face of the earth, that goes and pleads with God to forgive her And to heal her from heaven's displeasure. That is a demonstration of love for one another. And as we have love for one another, dear brothers and sisters, let's let it be an active love. You can go to Isaiah 58 and you can read just a little glimpse about what an active love looks like. Isaiah 58 explains it. He says... Loose the bonds of wickedness. Undo the heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free. Break every yoke. Share our bread with the hungry. Bring to our homes the poor who are cast out. And cover the naked while still caring for our own families. Oh friends, God is calling for us to love in an active way. Then the Lord says we will know something of light breaking forth like the morning. We will understand how darkness can be as the noonday. We'll, I mean, we call ourselves repairers of the breach. We call ourselves reformers. I want to show you what a reformer should be like. This comes from the Ministry of Healing, page 153. She says, of all the people in the world. How many people in the world? Of all of them. there. look at the world. Of everyone that should be, able, be the first to step forward. It should be the reformers. Reformers should be the most unselfish. The most kind. The most courteous. In their lives should be seen the true goodness of unselfish deeds. Let us then love one another. Esteeming each other better than than ourselves. And if we see a dear sister, a dear brother in need or hurt, let us bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Something else that should set us apart (laughs) should be the seventh day Sabbath, amen? Amen? I mean, the Sabbath has set us apart and so much the more as we see the day approaching. The Lord wanted to teach the children of Israel that the Sabbath was a special sign between Him and His people and that it would be a safeguard to their relationship with Him. For 40 years, or think about this, in preparation for more than 2,000 consecutive Sabbaths, Think about that. God rained down a double portion of manna on the preparation day to instill in his people to remember the Sabbath day. Say it with me. To keep it holy. It doesn't say and just keep it holy. It says remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The very purpose of God giving us the Sabbath is to draw close to Him in relationship with Him and to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy because He is holy. It's too special and sacred to just be mixed with the common. I mean, think about this. When God called Moses... After he gave the Ten Commandments, he called him up into the mountain. He was going to give him all the plans of the sanctuary. And you remember what the purpose of the sanctuary was? So that God could come and dwell with his people. So he calls Moses up there. Moses, in prep- six days in preparation. And then God called him into the cloud, into the midst of that cloud with him on the seventh day. Oh, friends... If we could just see the Sabbath as coming into the midst of that cloud to be with Jesus each and every week. Oh, how our preparation would be so much more sweet. Oh, how we would long for the Sabbath as never before. And, I mean, God wants to draw us to Him. So we must guard against allowing the Sabbath to become a day for personal pleasure. it's never meant to be a day of personal pleasure, of entertainment, seeking, or secular work. The Lord says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It was never meant to be a day for eating out at restaurants or going to the store. Those things would be out of harmony with the principles of keeping the Sabbath. Now you know I'm not talking about the ox falling into the ditch. Or about an emergency situation. And of course we know and we teach. That we can't keep it holy in and of ourselves. But here's the truth of God's word. Jesus can keep it holy through us. Jesus can do that for us. Through us and in us. Now I know. That friends of bible prophecy believe that according to revelation 13 the sabbath isn't just going to be a small issue in the last days no it is going to be the great test to come upon all the earth it'll be the sign and seal that we are god's people And if we are not accustomed to standing firm to honor the day of Jesus now, when there is no threat of life, when there is no peril before us, how are we going to keep it then? When no one will be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Jesus wants his day to be special to us. I mean, you can go and read the latter part of Isaiah 58, which we read last night in in one of the testimonies. We can read about something, about how Jesus wants to teach us about his joy. He wants us to know something of his joy as we honor the Sabbath. Friends, we don't have to be ashamed of it. We don't have to try and mold it into a way that we feel is more acceptable to us Or to the world. Moses refused to be called a son of Egypt when he could have swayed the scepter of the world. But he guarded his affections. So he could worship and honor the Lord. And that the Lord would keep a clear distinction between him and the world. Someone should have said amen. Oh, friends, what Jesus can do for us. Oh, how he wants us to be set apart only for him. Is that asking too much? He loves us. He gave his life for us. And he wants us all for himself. And he's going to send us to bring others to himself. Another way that the Lord has put a distinction on His people. Again, as Seventh-day Adventists, we have understood this distinction to be even in the way we dress. From the beginning, we as a people have held the Bible teachings of modesty and the laying off of jewelry. And I know it's becoming more difficult to teach and preach and encourage this Bible principle. Many would even press us that we shouldn't be so particular in this regard anymore. But friends, I appeal to you, the Word of God has not changed. It was the Lord Himself in Exodus 33 who told His people to remove their ornaments. The Lord Jesus teaches us the same principle again through the apostles Peter and Paul. These are marks of our identity. We don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed to cast off the ornaments of gold, pearls, and costly array that are not in keeping with our faith. Rather, friends, we can cherish the thought That Christ promises to adorn our hearts as Peter says here in 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4. That He will adorn our hearts with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. The way we dress, live and speak should all be the sermon of Jesus and his soon return. I don't want to offend anyone. I mean, I know these things are sensitive. Some don't even know about it because they haven't been taught about it. But I just want to appeal to you. If the enemy has stolen a march on us, let's determine now to to let the Lord take it back. He can do it, and He will do it, friends. He can recover what has been lost, and He will work to redeem the time. May we let Him work to redeem that time. Another treasure that the Lord has given us as a peculiar people to help keep us from being called sons and daughters of Egypt is the testimony of Jesus, which is the spirit of prophecy. In 2 Chronicles twenty twenty, the cry goes out, Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Friends, it says, We believe that thus saith the Lord that we are established. And then it says, We believe His prophets, That we will prosper. And how we have prospered as a Seventh-day Adventist people. I mean, look at the blessing the Lord has poured out upon us. I mean, we are a worldwide movement of people so small that it should never have been possible. But because we believed in the Lord our God, He established us. And because we believed in His prophets, He prospered us. Friends, we cannot be afraid or ashamed or embarrassed of this treasure that God has given us. I mean, God has blessed us and all that he has spoken through his prophets is true and righteous altogether. It is the counsel of all wisdom, all of heaven's wisdom to our lives. I believe that if we truly understood the treasure we have in the writings of Ellen White, the covers of every book would be worn out. And it saddens my heart. I mean, it grieves my heart to know that there's so many of even our own people who do not know the treasure that we have. I mean, God has given us guidance as His people in these last days. I want to show this passage to you. This comes from Testimonies to the Church, volume 4, page 390. I mean, this is incredible. The volumes of spirit of prophecy, what she's referring to there, are the early it's like the early version of the conflict of the ages. The volumes of spirit of prophecy and also the testimonies should be introduced into what? every Sabbath-keeping family. Do you have those books in your home, friends? Do you have them? If you don't have them, you need to get out and get them. I mean, God wants you to have those books. He wants us to have them in every home. Goes on to say, and the brethren should know their value. The only way to know their value is if the brethren have read them. And then as they read them, know what they're going to do? They're going to encourage you to read them. they're going to have the blessing in their own lives. And they're going to want you to have that blessing too. You're going to be urged to read them. And so I'm urging you right now. Let's get back into the spirit of prophecy. And let's, let's wear out the pages as she says here. She goes on. They should be in the library of every family and read again and again. Let them be kept where they can be read by many and let them be worn out in being read by who? All the neighbors. I mean, think about this. I mean, we are wanting to share the, the light that God has given us. There is but little interest manifested to make the most of the light given of God. Oh, friends, let this not be us. Let's not be those who have a little interest in making manifest the most of what God has given to us as His people. Much of it, she says, is concerning family duties and instruction is given to meet, get this, to meet almost every case and circumstance. I mean, think of the joy that we have as God's people with such guidance. We're we're just unsure of what to do. We go to the Bible, and we're pleading and praying. We go to the spirit of prophecy, pleading and praying, and the light of heaven illuminates our pathway for almost every case and circumstance. I mean, friends, there's a gem and treasure on every page the call to make the Bible our guide, the call to focus every area of the life for Jesus, the guidance and stewardship and our witness in sharing the three angels' messages through pen and voice, the principles to guard our hearts against worldliness and the thirst for entertainment and sports that would label us more as lovers of pleasure than as lovers of God. Through his prophet, the Lord has blessed us with a better knowledge of the laws of health to live happier and better lives. There's the exercise, the sunshine, the fresh air. Aren't you thankful for the beautiful Sabbath day? And there's the water. I'm going to get a drink of it. Pure water. Blessing for the body. She gives us the counsel of a simple diet with moderation, avoiding excess and extremes. I mean, these are not fringe tenets of our faith. There is also the guidance, the clear guidance that tobacco and alcohol, and yes, friends, I'm going to touch on it, It's something that has plagued us as a people, it seems, in these last years. Yes, that coffee and all caffeinated beverages alike should be discarded. We can cherish these things. I mean, we should be able to rejoice that we have a knowledge of these things when the world is is in the dark with all these things. I mean, I just can't believe sometimes just what God has given to us as a gift. We know the truth about these things. These are not fringe tenets of our faith. These are in keeping with our faith. They set us apart and help to distinguish us from the world. They give us heavenly intelligence in sharing the truth as it is in Jesus for this time. And we can cherish such blessings from above that we may do it all To the glory of God. Amen. All to the glory of God. All for His glory and honor. All for Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I'm not saying that we have it all right. You know, when Jesus spoke of Moses, He said here in John 5, and verse 47, he says, But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? If our ears are unwilling to hear his prophets whom, we have sent, whom he has sent in his name, how then will we hear his voice? I'm not saying that we have it all right. I mean, obviously, otherwise, we wouldn't be here right now. We would have already been with Moses and the Lamb in the heavenly Canaan. Maybe there have been times when we've had merely the form of godliness without its power. But I want to appeal to us. Let's then not settle to the form of worldliness either. What we want is by faith in Jesus, by the faith of Jesus, to have true godliness with all of its power. Now the devil has something of a weakness that he can find in every one of us. But there is nothing that he can find in Jesus. I mean, there's nothing that he can find in him. Jesus says in John 14 and verse 30, he says, I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world. That is the devil. That is Satan, that old serpent, the dragon. The ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me, As we keep the faith of Jesus, which is His righteousness, He promises to work in us, as Elder Mischief said last night, Philippians 2.13, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Look at how Christ's Object Lessons, page 311, puts it. When we submit ourselves to Christ, the heart is united with His heart. The will is merged with His will. The mind becomes one with His mind. The thoughts are brought into captivity to Him. We live His life. His heart, His will, His mind, His life. I mean, friends, this is Galatians 2.20. That if we are crucified with Christ, it is no longer us who live, but Christ lives in us. In the life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. Say it with me, who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, what a hope. And promise to have a mighty Savior to dwell within us as the source of spiritual power. And as Moses lifted up that bronze servant, that bronze serpent in the wilderness, we must lift up this Jesus before the world. this Christ, who is both able to take us out of Egypt and also to take Egypt out of us. and how we need heavenly power and courage to attend this message as more and more refuse to endure sound doctrine. The temptation has never been so great. The temptation has never been so great as in our time to take the policy of Aaron over Moses. To take every word And sand it down so there's no longer any edge that will cut to the heart. Many pleasant words are spoken, but there is no conviction or power to turn from sin. Aaron tried this policy. It was in the great sin at Sinai in the golden calf. Testimonies for the Church, Volume 3, should be page 301. It says, the people were charmed with Aaron's lovely spirit and were disgusted with the rashness of Moses. It's not like they just didn't like it. They were disgusted with his reaction because Moses didn't sit around and think about how to rationalize it. He didn't waver back and forth. He knew what sin was, and he wasn't afraid to call sin by its right name. The Lord's messenger also brings out that Aaron himself, I mean, Aaron who stood next to Moses, Aaron himself thought Moses was too rigid. And that if he would just flex and bend a little at times, there could be more peace and harmony in the camp. Notice how she points this out again. Aaron tried this policy thinking that he was going to Prevent rebellion. But he found himself being blind to it. Aaron influenced the children of Israel to go to greater lengths in idolatry than had entered their minds. So not only did he not stop them, but he stoked the flame of rebellion. Moses was like um, Lot in Sodom. I mean, Aaron was like Lot in Sodom. Even when divinely warned to flee the city of destruction, it took the angels of God to come and grab the hands of his family and drag them out. It was Moses, the true general, that was needed then. And I tell you the truth. It is what is so desperately needed again today in the home and in the church. Moses treasured his identity with the chosen of God. And by faith, he said, not for those passing pleasures, not for that applause, not for all the treasures in Egypt. He said that he was going to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Come with me back to Hebrews chapter 11. As we draw to a close. Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, when Moses became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He chose, he, he saw the affliction and still he chose it. Whether the affliction of Egypt or the mixed multitude. And he came esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. Moses looked forward to the finish. He didn't have his eyes on those treasures. He had his eyes on a different treasure. He had his eyes looking forward to the reward, the Scripture says. I want you to go in your Bibles later this afternoon and see how this relates to this. He didn't look at those things that were temporary, but on those things which were eternal. By faith he looked forward to the reward. Verse 27 says, he looked forward by faith, not fearing the wrath of the king, not the wrath of the king or the wrath of any man, because he endured as though he saw him who is invisible. Friends, it was through faith. It was through the faith of Christ that Moses did all this. His refusal to be called a son of Egypt, his refusal to live for the approval of any man was all because he endured as though he saw him who is invisible. The constant presence of God was to him a far greater treasure. His unbending obedience to the word of God and the command of the Lord was never an attempt to appease God. It was always and only to please him. As Moses beheld the beauty of Christ's character, he surrendered his own character to Jesus. He understood that to forsake the world and all of its enticements to sin could only be possible as he kept Jesus and Jesus kept him. The only way forward to the finish, friends, The only way we could ever go forward to the finish is if Jesus is leading the way. Moses pled with the Lord. He said, If your presence does not not go with us, do not bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are on the face of the earth. The only way to go forward to the finish, the only way for us to be a separate and holy people is to have the Lord's presence with us, before us, behind us, within us, and on every side of us. And maybe this lack of complete understanding, this lack of complete and under-dependency on Jesus... Our lack of realizing how much we need Him in our own lives and in the finishing of the work is why we are still here this side of heaven. Maybe we still haven't learned by faith to endure as though seeing Him who is invisible. Moses longed for this. And when he even pled for the Lord to show him His glory, the Lord didn't rebuke him. But He said, All my goodness will pass before you. Friends, we're living for that day. I hope we're living for that day when all the goodness of the Lord is going to pass before us and we're going to see Jesus. We're not going to see only His backside like Moses saw, but we're going to see Jesus face to face in the fullness of His glory. And in that day... There will be none to glory in his presence. And he who glories will only glory in the Lord. Oh, friends, how we need Jesus. Moses took his eyes off the Lord for a moment and he began to sink between those, beneath those angry waves just like Peter when he took his eyes off of Jesus. And he lost the earthly promised land. But through his repentance and his clinging to Jesus he is now in the heavenly Canaan. Jesus came and he rebuked the devil and he took Moses back for himself. Friends, I want to appeal to us today. I want to appeal to us. He did it for Moses and he can do it for us. He can rebuke the devil for Moses and he can rebuke him for you. You. God can take back what the enemy has stolen. As the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us right now in this hour, will you surrender your life wholly to God? Wherever you may be, I want to invite you to let Jesus know. I want to invite you to say, Jesus, take my life And live your life in and through me for you. You want him to do that for you. Friends, today we are standing on the banks of the Jordan. On the verge of the promised land. And if we keep looking unto Jesus and seeing him as though we saw him who is invisible. He will not only be the author, but he will also be the finisher of our faith as he leads us forward to the finish. And one day very soon, we will sing the song of Moses and of the Lamb on the other side. May God help us to that end. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse,